Good morning and welcome again. I don't think I introduced myself earlier. My name is Craig and I'm the senior pastor here and it's our privilege to have you with us this morning. If you have your Bibles, I hope you do, we're going to be in the book of Jeremiah. Um, for those of you that are watching home, I, I know that uh, with COVID things doing as they are, we got a lot of folks who are uh, watching there and we're glad that you can be with us. I'm really thankful for uh, the blessing of technology, technology that allows us to stay connected even when uh, we aren't physically connected. So we're thankful for the fact that it's not perfect and it's not exactly everything that we wish it was, but it's a whole lot better than nothing. And I'm so glad for those of you that can be with us that way. Again, we're going to be, be in the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 42. A couple of things just as you're turning. Uh, Deanna's already mentioned, but I hope that uh, ladies that can, I hope that you'd make every effort to... Uh, uh, see what's going on with their women's ministry this Saturday. Also, Adam neglected, he forgot to mention, but there is a parent meeting right after service this morning for uh, parents of students and those who are coming into the student ministry. So um, if you've got a sixth grader that's coming into the student ministry, this can be super important for you as, um, as uh, some of those kids, I guess, went to their very last children's worship today, didn't they? We should have celebrated that or cried. I'm not sure. There's always this weird thing for our teenagers. Some of them are like, yes, I'm moving it up. And others are like, no, I don't want to leave. Y'all don't care. All right. <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 42. Y'all, I've not been as excited to preach a sermon in quite a while as I am this one. So y'all pray for me. I'm praying that the Lord allows me to communicate everything that I believe he has for us to hear this morning. If you stand with me in honor of God's word, we're going to begin reading in Jeremiah chapter 42, verse 7. Hear now, for this is the word of the Lord. At the end of ten days, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah then he summoned Johanan, the son of Kariah, and all the commanders of the forces who were with him, and all the people from the least to the greatest, and said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, to whom you sent me to present your plea for mercy before him. If you will remain in this land, then I will build you up and not pull you down. I will plant you and not pluck you up, for I relent of the disaster that I did to you. Do not fear the king of Babylon, of whom you are afraid." Do not fear him, declares the Lord, for I am with you to save you and to deliver you from his hand. I will grant you mercy, that he may have mercy on you, and let you remain in your own land. But if you say, we will not remain in this land, disobeying the voice of the Lord your God and saying, No, we will go to the land of Egypt where we shall not see war or hear the sound of the trumpet or be hungry for bread and we will dwell there. Then hear the word of the Lord, O remnant of Judah. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, If you set your faces to enter Egypt and go to live there, then the sword that you fear shall overtake you there in the land of Egypt. And the famine of which you are afraid shall follow close after you to Egypt, and there you shall die. All the men who set their faces to go to Egypt to live there shall die by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence. They shall have no remnant or survivor from the disaster that I will bring upon them for thus says the Lord of hosts. Let's pray together. Father God, help us to stay right where you've planted us. Help us to not outrun your hand, Lord God, and keep us out of Egypt. We pray these things in the name of Christ, our Savior. Amen. Have you ever been so sure of God's will in your life that you made plans for your next step without consulting him? Have you ever been so sure of God's will for your life that you began to make the preparation only to discover that you were wrong? I don't know if y'all have ever been that way. I got a dog like that. And now don't feel like I'm like putting you down by comparing you to my dog. I have the best dog in America. 
But here's the thing about him. He believes that if the door opens, he's supposed to go out and play. He believes that if I sit in the driver's seat of my truck, he's supposed to be in the back seat going for a ride. And y'all, if he sees luggage come down the stairs, he won't leave the back door. He's terrified he's going to get left behind. He believes that he knows the next step. He doesn't wait for somebody else to tell him. He's already making his plans. Folks, a lot of us are already making our plans for where we want to be and what we want to do. But I ask you this morning, what if God says stay? What if God says to you that the plan I have for you, the plan to prosper you, is for you to bloom right where I've planted you? What if God says get rid of your luggage because you're not going anywhere? That's the story that we read about here in the book of Jeremiah. Now, it would take me quite a long time to paint a wonderful picture of exactly what's happening in Judah at this time. I'm going to try and give you a very, very, very Reader's Digest version of it. So it, it goes like this. At this point in the lifespan of the nation of Judah, they are a vassal state of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar has come in. Um, because of multiple rebellions and finally he completely destroyed the temple he took away the king Zedekiah he took away all of the nobles he took away all of the the skilled tradespeople. he left just a few people he left Jeremiah because Jeremiah was God's man that's what the Bible teaches us and Jeremiah had been warning the people and Jeremiah's r- reputation had spread far enough that They recognized who he was and what he was about, but there just remains a remnant. And in this remnant, Babylon appoints a governor. But, like so many of us, they don't want to be ruled by Babylon. And so there there is a smaller group within this remnant of rebellious people who decide that they won't allow for Babylon's governor to rule over them. They mount a small rebellion which consists of murdering in cold blood the governor as well as a number of other leaders. And we find ourselves right here on the back end of that event and the other leadership within the remnant of Judah who's been left behind outside of this group of rebels is terrified because they have already experienced the hand of Nebuchadnezzar as he has completely destroyed their homeland. And now there's this group that has rebelled even against that. And so they're terrified. And they're ready just to pack up and leave. And they're going to Egypt. Because at this point in time, Egypt and Babylon are the two superpowers in the world. And they figure, you know what, we're going to run away from this one and go to that one. And there we will avoid the sword. So this is the plan that they've created. But then they do what a lot of good Baptists do. They make their plan. They buy their tickets. And then they pray and say, God, I got this plan that I'm going to do. So Lord, I I want you to bless it for me. Y'all ever done that? Go ahead and admit it. I know you have. We all have. All of us have made that plan. We made our decision. We figured out what we were going to do. And then what we do? Oh, by the way, God, I forgot to call you about this. And so they go to Jeremiah and they say, Jeremiah, you're God's man. 
We want you to go to the Lord and make sure it's okay for us to go down to Egypt. Jeremiah says, oh, whoa, whoa. no, 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 I'm not getting in the middle of this. Because if I disagree with you, you're going to kill me. Y'all have already thrown me into pits. You've threatened my life. I, I, my life is terrible already. I, I'm not, I don't want any more. They said, no, 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 no. We, not only will we not kill, we will do exactly what you say. We want to hear what God has to say. And it's at that place that we pick our story up in Jeremiah chapter 42, verse 7. The Bible says that at the end of 10 days... God spoke to Jeremiah. Folks, Jeremiah is God's man. Remember all the way back in verse 1. Hey, I knew you before you were wombed. I got, uh, before you were born, I knew you in the womb. I got all these plans for you. I got a message for you. And it took 10 days for Jeremiah to figure out exactly what God's d- d- direction was for them. How many of you got impatient because the Lord didn't answer you in 10 minutes? 10 days. And the message that Jeremiah is given from the Lord to deliver to these people is this word right here. Don't go to Egypt. I I understand that you think that that's where you need to be, but God says stay right there. This morning, I want to know, what if God says to you, stay? Maybe I should have actually said, will you listen when God says stay? What do we do in these places? First thing I want us to urge you to do this morning is to listen to God's word and not your heart. Listen to God's word and not your heart. This this idea of being true to yourself is sort of a a new age-ism, a new age idea, but it's not biblical. We don't run to God's word and and see anything that says, well, just follow your dreams. That might look cute on the nursery wall. But it doesn't find itself rooted in God's, in God's Word. Christians don't cling to an idea that there is this good within us that we just have to uncover. The Christian doctrine of original sin has been lost. The subtle shift began about 100 years ago in Western culture. Uh, up until then, when we began to think about child-rearing or educating a child, the focus was not primarily on protecting them from the things that were outside, but instead correcting all of the sin that lived inside. Okay? And so the idea in these conversations or in this effort was that children, like all other humans, were tainted by, stained by, even ruined by sin. Now, in the church, we've messed this up too, okay? Because in the church, we love to find things to fight about. Right? Now... A hundred years ago, the idea that anybody would reject original sin would have been considered heterodox. But we've twisted and contorted because we love to argue. But folks, we run all the way back to God's Word and we see that beginning there in Genesis chapter 3, sin invades the world. And it's passed down through Adam to the seed of Adam to all of us until Jesus breaks the chain there and gives us the opportunity to be set free. But we can look at this again in the way that we talk about children. Language of feelings has invaded. I I don't feel, for instance, like God would want me to do that. I don't even know what that means. I mean, I know what it means, you know. I know. But but again, when we say, I don't feel like God would want me to do that, that, that's not language that's present in God's Word. We can actually 
in most things, determine whether God would want us to do it or not want us to do it by running to his word. What does God's word say? But, but we don't see it just there. We see it again in the way that we, we speak to our children. So when we push away this idea of original sin, then we begin to believe that the goal is to protect our children from all the things on the outside so that we can sort of nourish and cultivate all the things on the inside and they can be realized for who they actually are. Now just work with me for a minute. A hundred years ago, the idea was this. Sin lives inside of you. We need to do all that we can to remove the evil so that you can fit within a culture that tries to honor the, the Lord in some way. And so the idea was there was a culture, a monoculture, a uni, un, uniculture, that's not a good word, a large culture, metaculture, that'd be, that we all sort of fall into. Now, watch what happened. Because the evil doesn't live within, the evil lives without. Don't tell my children what to do. They need not conform to anything. We need them to be who they are. Let me tell you who your children are. Filthy, rotten sinners. Just like you and I are. We don't need them to realize who they are. We need them to realize who He is. And what His greater intention is for them other than to follow their heart. I want them to follow his heart. You understand? We're going to continue working through the, the, um, uh, the prophets. We've been reading through the Bible together as a church. I've been preaching through the Bible. We're going to continue to work through the prophets. We're going to get to the book of Ezekiel where there's this grand promise that God is going to do what? Remove our hearts of stone and give us brand new hearts of flesh. The ultimate desire is not that I would follow after my heart, but that God would give me his heart so that I might follow after it. How can I avoid this idea that, that I would run away from what God wants me to be doing? Then, folks, what we've got to make sure that we do is that we seek God's word and not follow after our own hearts. This is the position of the Jews that came to Jeremiah. They said, Jeremiah, we're going to go to Egypt. See, this is, this is actually what happened. Because this is why Jeremiah was so concerned. Because he picked up on the story. They'd already bought their plane tickets. They'd already reserved their rooms. Jeremiah, we need you to make sure that God's good with what we're about to do. And Jeremiah's like, ah, guys, I got some bad news. Y'all have wasted a lot of money. And what's really sad is they look at Jeremiah and they say, we're going anyway. How many of you have heard the Lord in his word tell you no and you said yes anyway? How many of you have made your plans before you even went to the Lord? And the truth of the matter is you realize pretty quick that it wasn't right, but you'd already sunk so much money, you'd already sunk so much reputation that there was no going back for you. You weren't going to be embarrassed. You know, we can even couch these desires, though, in church words and church language, can't we? We'll say, well, did you pray about it? Yeah, I prayed about it. You know what we rarely do is ask this question. Did you wait for God to answer that prayer? What happened when you prayed? Oh, we don't do a good enough job as followers of Jesus because we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. We don't want to get all up in people's conversations. Now, I'm not telling you that we need to be all up in everybody's business all the time, but the truth of the matter is that when we have a brother or sister in Christ with whom we have a close, accountable relationship, we don't simply need to say, have you prayed about it? We need to say, what did the Lord show you through that prayer? Has God answered that prayer? Has the Lord blessed this path so far? When's the last time somebody asked you those hard questions? 
Folks, I want to urge you this morning, listen to God's word and not your heart. Parents who are here, listen to me. When you're raising your children, listen to God's word and not your children's heart. It is deceitful and wicked above all things and cannot be trusted. I'm not saying things to you that make me happy. I'm telling you what God's word teaches us. And so when we exist to make our children happy, we also exist to not lead them into God's plan for their lives. God never gave you the primary responsibility of being your teenager's friend. He gave you the primary responsibility of being their parent. To raise them in the fear of the admonition of the Lord. Not provoking them to anger, right? But directing them, guiding them. We reach that point in our lives where we're looking at our children. We become not necessarily these domineering parents, but these guides beside them. But constantly we're looking at them and we're saying, Hey, you're not going to be in my house that much longer. I've got to show you how to make the right choices. But our questions don't need to be, what do you think you should do? Our questions have got to be bathed in God's Word. What does God's Word say that you should do? Because I'm going to tell you what your kids think they should do. They think the same thing that you think you should do. Whatever makes me happy. Listen to God's Word and not your heart. What if God says stay? Second thing this morning, seek God's presence and not your comfort. Why did this remnant want to go to Egypt? This is important. They wanted to go to Egypt because they believed that it was safer and more comfortable. But if they ran to Egypt, they were running away from the one thing that mattered most. They were running away from the presence of the Lord. Can I encourage you that when you're beginning to pray about difficult decisions in your life, to seek the presence of the Lord rather than your own comfort. See, these people expected to be safer and more comfortable in Egypt than in Judah. But what they needed was not their own comfort. They needed God's presence. Here's what the Bible teaches us, that he is a shield and a shelter. When the storms of the world rage, God is our safe hiding place. Y'all, there's something within us that desires to run to all the places other than the place where God is. What is that thing? It's that that self-reliance. I don't want to depend upon him. I want to be my own master. These Judeans believed that if they changed their circumstances, they would change their situation. Have you ever thought that? Have you ever believed that? Have you ever been there? I have. You thought that the only thing wrong in your life was your situation. You looked around and you said, I'm I'm, I'm miserable. I'm unhappy. Life is hard. Well, you know what? If If I could just change my location... If I could just change my job, you thought that if I could get that better house or lose that 10 pounds or get that new car, that new phone or that new promotion, then everything would be better. And then you got there and what did you realize? You realized you got where you wanted to go, but your problems met you in that spot, didn't they? Your problems came with you. Why? Because a change in your situation and your circumstance doesn't change the person of your situation and your circumstance. A change in your situation, your circumstance, doesn't change your heart. These people said, we're going to go down to Egypt. Jeremiah says, if you do, you're going there so that you can flee famine and sword. He says, but when you get there, famine, plague, and sword are waiting for you in the place where you're going. Folks, can I tell you this? If you've not dealt with the demons in your life today, do not believe that if you change your address, they will not follow you. 
We have to do more than seek greener pastures. We've got to seek the God of those green pastures. It's so easy for us to look on the other side of the fence and believe everybody's got it so much better. And it's always so much easier. Any of you ever had that one special green spot in your yard where your dog used the bathroom all the time, right? The, the place where your septic tank field is. Do you know what makes that so green? It's not the things that make your life good, you understand? When you step in that fertilizer, you don't go, wow, this is great. You say, why am I in this green grass? It's dirty. Folks, a lot of times the green grass that you're looking at is not the paradise that you're expecting it to be. You're going to step off in it and find there's something that sticks all over you when you get there. We've got to do more. We've got to seek God's presence and not our comfort. Because if we're just seeking our comfort, we run to those places and our problems continue to follow after us. They cling to us. They stick to us. Because we're still doing it with a bad heart, an ugly heart, a sinful heart. What if God says, stay first, listen to God's word. Second, be true to your heart. Oh, don't be true to your heart. I can't believe I just said that. Sorry. Whew. Man. But I'm going to tell you what. If I say that, I can write a book and sell a million copies. See God's presence and not your comfort. And then third this morning, don't go to Egypt. Y'all, I labored all week over this last point. Now, this is what I wanted to say from the first minute I began writing this sermon, but it just didn't really seem quite sophisticated enough. It didn't fit well within the outline, but... But folks, as, as I work through it, the fact of the matter is that's what the text tells us. Don't go to Egypt. Jeremiah says, don't go. He says, I know you got your heart set, but don't go. Because if you go, when you get there, you won't come back out. It's not what you think. What is Egypt? Egypt is the place where you create your own security. Egypt is the place where you create your own safety net. Egypt is the other side of the fence where the grass looks greener. But Egypt is also the place where you cease to trust the Lord and you begin to believe that you can create it all on your own. You might not know how things are going to turn out for you right now. You might not know exactly what God's plan is for you. But listen to me. Don't go to Egypt. I believe from the bottom of my heart that there is someone here today who needs to hear these words. Maybe you're at home and you're watching and you need to hear these words. Don't go to Egypt. You might have already packed your bags. You might have already bought the ticket. I'm telling you, don't go. The cost is too high. Stay right there. Don't go to the place where God isn't. Don't trust your heart when the Lord is telling you otherwise. Don't go. You say, Craig, where is Egypt? Egypt's different for everybody. Your Egypt might be an addiction. Your, your Egypt might be alcohol or drugs. And you think, well, if the next time it'll just be a little bit better. The next time it'll be a little bit better. And I'm here to tell you, don't go down to Egypt. Because your problems are still waiting for you there. Your Egypt might be a relationship. One of those toxic, unhealthy relationships. You're a lady here today that's in one of those abusive relationships. You got that boyfriend that continues to mess around on you. You got that boyfriend that continues to put his hands on you. And you keep saying, but he loves me and it's going to get better. I'm here to tell you that Egypt is not your safe place. 
Your Egypt might be overeating. Everything's bad. There's COVID everywhere. Everything's depressing. I'm just going to go lock myself in my, in, in my house with all the food I can find. I'm telling you, when you finish, you're still going to find the same depression that you took there with you. Your Egypt might be laziness or procrastination. If I just pretend like it ain't going on, then it won't be. If I just pretend like my problems don't exist, then maybe they'll just go away. Don't run down to that Egypt because guess what? When you finish procrastinating, the work is still there. Your Egypt might be a new job or a new house. Your Egypt might be just going into more and more debt so that you can keep up with the Joneses. I'm here to tell you that when you get there, your problems are going to follow you. They will find you. Your Egypt will feel like a shelter in the storm, but there is a tornado coming for that shelter. You are not safe there. Don't go to Egypt. Run to God's word. Run to God's people. Run to the Holy Spirit of God. Find help and hope. Y'all, my heart hurts for people who walk in here on a Sunday or pick up this word even on a Monday and they close it and forget everything that it said and they run straight to the places where they've been. You begin to believe, what? That the thing that hasn't given you any help somehow will start to give you that help, that satisfaction, that safety today. And I'm here to tell you that you will wake up tomorrow and discover that once the hangover's gone, Once he's gone, once she's gone, your problems are still right there. Because you cannot outrun them. Now this is a really good sermon for a pastor to preach. And I'm going to tell you why. Because there's some of you out there that are doing exactly what people said to Jeremiah. See, here's what they said to Jeremiah right here. Jeremiah, you don't understand. Jeremiah, I hear what you're saying, but Jeremiah, that's actually the best place for us to be. We're going anyway. If we kept reading what you'd discover if they did just that. If you keep reading, you also discover that when they got there, everything that Jeremiah told them was coming was waiting for them there. You see, if you're sitting there today, you're sitting there at home today, and you're rationalizing all the ways that I might be wrong, you're rationalizing all the ways that Egypt is actually your salvation. I don't want to beat you up. I want to tell you, you're not all alone. You're not all alone. Every Sunday, people sit in churches all across this country, all across the world, and they hear pastors warn, and they go, yeah, but I'm different. And it's no different than it was in Jeremiah's day when the people said, Jeremiah, we hear you, but this situation isn't like you think it is. Jeremiah, this place isn't safe. We've got to go there. And Jeremiah says, the safest place you can be is right in the center of God's will. The safest place that you can be is right in the middle of the Holy Spirit of God. He's the eye in the storms, and it's safe. And so this morning, I'm coming to you first to beg you just... Don't go. There might be some of you that came in here today or tuning in online who have just decided, you know what? My marriage isn't worth it. There's that other woman, there's that other man. And they'd be happy if I call. 
You've already been sending text messages, and maybe today will be the day that you just finally take that next step. Don't go. Sin is a trap. The book of James says that when it is full grown, it leads to death. Satan is the father of lies, and he whispers these things in our ear, and we begin to believe them. I've been there. Haven't you been there? See, here's the thing. Some of you think you're all alone. Everybody in this room at one point or another has been in a place where the Lord was telling you one thing, and you were saying, no, 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 God, you don't understand. The dumbest thing we can ever say on planet Earth is that, God, you don't understand. Many of you have heard me share my testimony when the Lord called me to ministry. And repeatedly, God made it very clear and apparent to me that he was calling me to serve him in vocational ministry. And repeatedly, I said, no, 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 no. And I ran and I ran and I ran. And and we develop incredible abilities to rationalize God's word and God's will out of our lives. I've told you before, I'll never forget, I laid in my bed one night. I I was a young man. And I took my Bible, and, and I was doing one of those advanced Bible study techniques. I'd pray and say, God, show me your will. And I'd just throw it open on the bed and see where it landed. And I'd read right there, and I'd go, oh, okay, well, that's interesting. And repeatedly, the Lord would show me what he wanted from me. He took me to Isaiah chapter 42. He took me to other places where he told me what he wanted and what he desired and what he planned and what he intended. And repeatedly, I said, ah, oh, that has got to be a coincidence. But the one that really sticks out for me, true story, I threw my Bible open and it fell open to the concordance. That's that part in the back that gives you all the definitions. And there, the first three letter, words that my eyes fell upon were call, called, and Calling. I said, well, God, you ain't calling me to ministry. What are we talking about? I shut my Bible and went to bed. I said, God, I'm going to go to Egypt. I don't want anything to do with what you got going on in the promised land. Isn't that interesting? Where were these people? They were in God's promised land. Where were they running to? The place of bondage. They were running back to the place that God had delivered them out of hundreds of years prior. They were running back to the people that had defeated them years prior. They were leaving God's promise and running to their bondage. Folks, listen to me. Some of you need to hear this. A lot of you need to hear this. But some of you, I believe God has you here today to hear this. Right now, you need to hear me say this. You walked in here planning to leave here and run back to your bondage. Back to your servitude back to Egypt and God is calling you to his promised land he's calling you to salvation and security and safety he's saying don't go down to Egypt you're going to die there but if you will stay with me there is hope and there's healing there's a chance and so this morning I want you to hear me say this God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And his plan and his purpose is for you to stay right in the center of his will. To be one of his people in his place under his rule and his blessing. Before you leave from here today and run back to Egypt, let me beg you, come to Christ. Come to Christ. You don't have to ruin your life. There's a chance for you to ride out the storm with Jesus. What if God says stay? Listen to his words. Seek his presence. Don't go down to Egypt. 
I'm going to try not to jump right here because I'm pretty excited. Because I've been waiting all week to tell you this part. Because there's a few of you in here today that say, Craig, that's real good. That's a real sweet story for you to tell up there in your jacket and your press shirt. It's a real sweet story for you to tell me after I saw young people baptized. But Craig, I've already been to Egypt. Craig, I've already ruined it all. Craig, you're telling me to stay and I'm telling you I'm there. Craig, you don't understand. It's all followed me everywhere I've gone. I've tried everything. I tried the house. I tried the new city. I tried the new job. I tried the drugs. I tried the alcohol. I've tried the pornography. I've tried it all. And right there in the middle of it, I always run right smack dab into my problems all over again. So, Craig, you paint this pretty picture, but you don't know me. You don't understand my life. Craig, you don't understand. I'm not running to Egypt. I live in Egypt. I build the temples there. I've been in bondage there. I worship the gods of Egypt, Craig. Don't you understand? I'm lost. I'm hopeless. Matthew chapter 2. We usually only read this at Christmas. But we ought to be slapped about the head and shoulders for not remembering it a little bit more regularly. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. And he said, rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. And remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and he took the child and his mother by night and he departed to Egypt. And he remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. You ready? Out of Egypt I called my son. You say, Craig, I'm already in Egypt and I'm here to tell you that Jesus has already been there. He's already overcome and he's left and he's dragging, he's ready to drag you with him. You say, I'm already in Egypt and I tell you, it's okay. Jesus has overcome Egypt. He's overcome the cross. He's overcome the grave. He went to the place of bondage to set you free. You say, what if I've already given in? There's, there's the good news. Here's the hope. Jesus has already gone down to Egypt. He's already gone. The chains that hold you have been broken. The slave masters have been defeated. The bondage of addiction and depression... The bondage of broken relationships, the bondage of those who have hurt you, Jesus stepped in to take your place. And out of Egypt, God called his son. And so, the reason I'm so excited to be here with you today is to tell you that if you're living in Egypt, God's ready to call you out. He's ready to break your chains. He's ready to break your bonds. That sin that you've clung to for hope and security, He says, I took it on the cross of Calvary. 
he wants you to be his as well.